Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of Linklater's Asia Biteside Antitrust 2023. I'm Kev from Linklater's Asia Antitrust team. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by my colleagues, Felicity from Allens in Australia and Gilly, our head of ESG regional development in Asia. In this episode, we will explore how environmental and sustainability initiatives intersect with competition law and the approach taken by competition authorities across Asia-Pacific region to handle competition issues arising from these initiatives, particularly where there is collaboration between competitors. Before we talk about the antitrust aspects, Gilly, do you want to kick off with your download on the ESG imperative and why competitors' collaboration may be necessary? Sure, Kath, and thanks for the introduction. We have increasingly seen ESG-related laws, regulations and policies rolled out globally and here in Asia. Ambitious regulatory agendas are resulting in a significant volume of new sustainability-related legislation in certain markets. In this region, ESG and sustainable finance remain high on the regulatory agenda with regulators in Asia focusing on ESG risk management and sustainable finance in a number of regulatory developments, including, for example, climate-related disclosure requirements. Looking closer to home, the Hong Kong government's goal is to achieve carbon neutrality by 2050 and is positioning itself as a green and sustainable finance hub for attracting that much-needed capital to finance the transition to net zero. And we're already seeing policies being rolled out to support Hong Kong's commitment to carbon neutrality, green tech and developing green finance. So businesses are under increasing pressure to adapt their business models, embrace sustainability and address ESG risks. Asian businesses, just like their counterparts globally, are in this significant transition phase for example, moving from carbon intensive activities to more sustainable activities. This is an interesting phase that involves the need for innovative solutions and the development and rollout of new technologies. All of this comes at a cost in terms of R&D and deployment. More often than not, businesses see the benefits of collaborating with each other to resolve these complex issues and achieve a common goal. In other words, some of these green or sustainable initiatives are likely to generate certain efficiencies if they're done collectively. Industry collaboration also allows businesses to avoid the first mover disadvantage dilemma and in turn encourage a quicker and more efficient transition. Nearly, you just mentioned competitors' collaboration. If I'm being skeptical, antitrust authorities are always very cautious and dubious when competitors come together and collaborate, even where there may be a perfect legitimate objective backed up with efficiency narrative. Before we zoom into Asia, I think it's worth mentioning the trends, particularly in Europe, where regulators really have taken the lead in handling sustainability arrangements. Various EU member states have issued specific guidelines that provide guidance on ESG collaboration. Some authorities in the EU have taken a liberal approach. For example, we have seen that the Dutch Competition Authority has approved various agreements between competitors on the grounds of sustainability. The UK CMA had also in October this year published its Green Agreements Guidance to provide some guidance on business cooperation on environmental goals. 
Gili, what have been your observations in terms of antitrust regulators in Asia? So in short, it seems they are a little behind the curve. However, the issue of sustainability collaboration is definitely on the radar of antitrust regulators. The Japan Fair Trade Commission is a pioneer in this regard. It issued its green guidelines in March this year. The guidelines are quite comprehensive and cover green activities and potential antitrust risks in the context of business collaboration, abuse of superior bargaining position and mergers. The guidelines also provided many helpful examples to differentiate conduct that may result in antitrust concerns from those that are unlikely to have any concerns. Kath, I think it may be useful to give our audience some flavour of the examples used in this guideline. Sure. In terms of business collaboration, as the Japan Fair Trade Commission guidelines have set up, there are three broad categories of conduct. The first one being collaborations that are unlikely to cause any competition issues, given they do not affect competition parameters. For example, where trade associations publish the ESG compliance rates of its members on the website, or where competitors organize seminars or meetings to discuss the latest ESG regulatory requirements. That is pretty vanilla. On the other end of the scale is the second category, where the conduct is cartel-like and raises serious competition concerns. For example, where competitors agree among themselves to avoid rolling out new technologies or agree on the timing of implementing changes relating to environmental standards or legislative requirements. The third category is what we think is the most difficult, which is the grey zone. This is where the collaboration potentially gives rise to anti-competitive effects, but also generates efficiencies. For example, joint research and development between competitors has to be assessed on a case-by-case basis, depending on the market position of the parties, the scope of the R&D, and uh, whether it's necessary for these competitors to collaborate. In these type of cases, the Japan Authority has said that they will carry out a balancing test to consider whether the pro-competitive effects outweigh the anti-competitive effects. And just to add, uh, the Japan Fair Trade Commission is already considering updating their green guidelines only six months after the guidelines were published. Um, The revision is expected to expand on what types of conduct could raise antitrust concerns, particularly regarding joint industrial disposal and joint procurement. The new guidelines may be published sometime next year, so watch this space. Thanks, Gilly. Let me now turn to Felicity. I understand that so far the Australia Competition and Consumer Commission has not published specific competition law guidelines for sustainability initiatives. Is that right? Yes, Kath, that's that's right. Now, it's true that we don't have any separate guidelines on this issue, but we already have quite a number of precedents where the ACCC has Uh, taking into account environmental and sustainability initiatives as part of its antitrust assessment, including in merger review cases. So just to set the scene here and taking a step back, as some of you and the listeners may know, businesses uh, in Australia may apply to the ACCC for authorisation if they are planning to engage in conduct that may breach Australia's competition rules. 
The ACCC will consider whether to grant an exemption depending on whether the conduct substantially lessens competition or whether the likely public benefit from the conduct outweighs any public harm. Now, if the conduct involves cartel conduct, the ACCC will only authorise the conduct on public benefit grounds. So I think this is what differentiates Australia from most of the other competition law regimes in Asia, as our laws explicitly allow the authority to take into account a public benefit consideration. And, and this concept of public benefit is a fairly broad concept and can include therefore environmental considerations, although it is, it is a little bit comparable to consumer benefits or efficiency claims. The ACCC has in the past considered benefits arising from ESG initiatives to be and amount to public benefits and has in fact granted exemptions or authorizations on this basis. Felicity, can you give us a couple of examples where the ACCC has granted exemptions in respect of environmental or sustainability related agreements? Sure. Um, so the ACCC gave the green light to the Battery Stewardship Council to roll out its national scheme to allow, enable the appropriate disposal of used batteries. It was proposed that an import levy would be charged on suppliers who would then pass this on to consumers in a really transparent manner in order to fund the operation of that disposal scheme. So while the consumer would face uh, price increases, the ACCC considered that the scheme would result in significant environmental benefits particularly since the levy imposed would increase the incentive for businesses to facilitate recycling and in turn would increase the number of batteries that are appropriately recycled. So another example um, happened earlier this year when the ACCC granted authorization to three supermarkets in Australia to allow them to continue their collaborative efforts to manage in-store collection of soft plastics for recycling. The ACCC considered that the authorisation was um, in the public interest and, and amounted to therefore public benefits, reflecting a very keen public concern about the stockpiling of soft plastics and the need to divert those soft plastics from landfill. The cases in Australia definitely demonstrate that environmental benefits can sometimes triumph over antitrust concerns. Felicity, is there any practical tips that businesses should bear in mind if they wish to seek authorization from the ACCC? Uh, that's a really good question, Kath. And one of the main things that um, the ACCC will look to is the concrete evidence, really, um, demonstrating the environmental benefits of the coordinating parties. Uh, proposed conduct. Uh, that can be in the form of quantitative evidence or qualitative evidence, but it really does have to be pretty concrete. It's also crucial to show that the collaboration between the competitors is necessary and restricted to what is necessary, so it doesn't go over and above what's necessary to achieve the public benefits, and it's directly linked to the public benefits that are claimed. Of course, it's also important to carry out a detailed assessment ahead of any engagement with the ACCC and, you know, weigh up the issues on both sides. As the ACCC won't grant authorisation if the anti-competitive effects or the public harms outweigh any ESG benefits. So it will engage in that true weighing exercise. 
That's very interesting. Apart from business collaboration, does the ACCC also consider environmental benefits or sustainability concerns in their merger review? Yes, actually, Kath. And I think we have a bit of a world first here on the merger front uh, concerning environmental considerations. We very recently had a merger that was authorised with conditions on the basis of the prospect of it delivering sustainability and environmental benefits. Um, and that was in respect of the acquisition of Origin Energy, one of our major energy retailers and generators in Australia, being acquired by consortium of Brookfield and, and Mid-Ocean. And the ACCC's competition concerns were mainly focused on the vertical integration in the electricity supply chain in Victoria, uh, a state of Australia, post-transaction given that one of Brookfield's affiliates, Osnet, owns uh, the energy infrastructure in Victoria, the transmission network, while Origin is active in the electricity retail and generation levels of the supply chain. Now, I must also confess a, a, an interest here. We acted for, for Brookfield, Allen's acted for Brookfield in that transaction, and we were, we were quite pleased with the outcome that the ACCC concluded that the public benefits would outweigh any public harms particularly as this transaction in particular would likely accelerate the rollout of renewable energy generation, leading to a more rapid reduction in Australia's greenhouse gas emissions. Thanks, Felicity. That is indeed a very good outcome for that merger case. And also thanks for all the um, insightful updates in Australia. Before we wrap up, I would like to turn to Gili for some crystal ball gazing for trends in Asia. Uh, are we expecting more guidance on ESG issues by antitrust authorities in this region? So for other parts of Asia, Singapore has issued its proposed guidance on ESG collaboration. Similar to the Japanese guidelines, it sets out various scenarios where ESG collaboration is unlikely to raise competition concerns. Not surprisingly, if the conduct involves cartel-like price fixing or market sharing, such conduct will risk breaching the competition rules, even if it potentially brings environmental benefits. We do expect the Singapore Authority to finalise its guidance later this year or early next year. In the draft guidelines, the Singapore Competition Authority also refers to the application of net economic benefit tests in the context of ESG collaboration. So um, net economic benefit exclusion typically applies narrowly to economic efficiencies that directly benefits consumer. But in the guidelines, the CCCS recognizes that it may need to tweak the application when considering any positive externalities or reduction of negative externalities arising from ESG collaboration. As, as you may know, the benefits arising from this initiative may not directly relate to relevant markets where competition is restricted. For example, an agreement between competitors to switch to alternative clean fuel may result in economic benefit to Singapore as a whole due to reduction of carbon emissions. And, and just one other jurisdiction that listeners should watch out for is New Zealand. And New Zealand, a, a good friend of Australia's, and it's very similar to Australia in that the New Zealand Commerce Commission can also authorise agreements in the public interest. And it has previously authorised arrangements on sustainability grounds. Now, the NZCC, the ComCom, 
uh, issued its draft collaboration and sustainability guidelines earlier this year. And the final guidelines will be published by the end of November 2023. Thanks, Gilly and Felicity for these interesting updates. This is a quickly changing landscape, so watch this space for sure. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us and we'll be happy to discuss further. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thank you.